Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. We got a little cheesecake, we got Doc, and we got a special guest joining the show tonight for a very specific topic that you guys need to listen to what I will call the master of. Before we get to him, Cheesecake, we're doing two pods this week, man. We got a little bonus action. I get to see you mm. back-to-back days. How are we feeling? Mm. It's so good to see your face, and tomorrow I'm going to see it again. It's a beautiful thing. Eric, you're looking beautiful as well. And our guest, I can't, I think, I th- this is like the second time I've potted with him and it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about tonight's show. Very excited as well. Doc, you're bright neon. Is that just mean you're shining for tonight's show? You're, you're pumped for I'm glowing. Yes. I'm glowing. Highlight all of my draft strategy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and of course, no Marty party tonight if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, for those on the podcast, he could not make the show tonight. But the man, the guest, the man of the hour counts as two people with the knowledge that he's going to bring tonight. Of course, we welcome in a man, the TG FBI overall champion from 2022. He is the one of my co-hosts on the call-up, part of the Triple Play Fantasy family. You want to talk dynasty. You want to talk prospects. He's your man, but also do not sleep on his redraft knowledge. Again, taking down a league last year with almost 500 people in it. Number one overall, the bragging rights, and he's as humble as they come. Michael Richards is in the house tonight to talk some TGFBI. Mike, how's it going? Mendy, it's going great. You know, I've been watching you guys for a while now, even since I started with the call up. You know, I I try to catch as many shows as I can. This is definitely one of my favorite uh, shows to to watch. I was hoping Marty would be here too, but I just love what you guys do every week. I love the vibe you guys bring, the energy, the knowledge that you guys have fun. And I've been looking forward to being on the show for a while. So I'm glad to be here. Pumped to have you, man. And we had talked months ago about putting together a TGFBI pod right as TGFBI was going underway. And I'm glad it's happening because TGFBI drafts started uh, yesterday. Today's Tuesday, started on Monday. And we are in full swing. And again, who who better to walk not just us through, but all our audience through whether you're in TGFBI or you're trying to get into TGFBI or you just play in a big league, home leagues, draft strategy. You're the man. You're the guy. You're you're uh, the gold medal. You're the the Pablo Picasso painting an art, a masterpiece of how to draft, how to put these together. So I want to start last year first. And then we'll talk about this year. I know you've you've spread it across other podcasts too. Uh, but just again, for the listeners that maybe not have heard, can you please tell us just maybe your strategy, how you drafted last year, some players potentially that uh, were big for you uh, when, that you drafted, just kind of your overall process for how you were able to take down TGFBI last year. Yeah, so it's been a little while, so I'm kind of just freestyling here. So bear with me, you know, Last, I'm taking myself back to last year. I had played this league one time before. I'd finished sixth place in my league, about 150th overall. I learned a lot of lessons. I, I, I was basically a prospect person. I came into this trying to chase upside and do all that sort of stuff. And I saw what all the good teams did, all the teams that beat me that I thought I had better drafts than and I thought I knew more than. And I just noticed the trend. And it was just like safe players, guys who played a lot, guys who you can count on, guys who don't get hurt. You know, just all these different factors. And it's like, it, it seems boring and it's hard to do. It's hard to pass on that upside guy. It really is. I know a lot of people like, and I used to be, I used to get beat for years by people who I didn't think should be able to beat me. And that's the reason. And if I would have just taken the safe player. And so I just did that. My goal was to just like study the draft boards, see how all the great players drafted the winners, you know, all the people that everyone talks about. Cause when I came into this, I didn't know who anyone was. So I like, I was just kind of trying to figure it out as I went and and I just started picking stuff up and I just took it really seriously. Like I studied everything for a couple months and and I've said this before, but like uh, and Justin pointed this out, 
I didn't do very well in the draft. I mean, I did much better than I did the first year, but I missed on a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. Like I took Trevor Rogers in the seventh round. I took Trevor Story in the third round. Mm-hmm. Like th- these were these were really bad picks in hindsight. And you know, like and there were like I could have had Verlander instead of Trevor Story. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's all sorts of ways that I could have made it even easier. But that just shows you the process of just sticking to it, continuing to build the player after player after player. You know, and and the process got me players that I wouldn't normally have gotten either. You know, I you know, I've mentioned some of these guys. I got Andres Jimenez in the 19th round, I got Tony Gonsolin in the 21st, I got Christian Walker in the 28th. And these were all based on just projections. That's another thing I should add. I never used to use projections. And now I added projections just as a guide, as a baseline. I'm not taking them as gospel, but like, mm-hmm. I want to know what type of player this is. I don't want to create him into something that he's not. Cause that's what I used to do. It's like, I take the prospects and be like, okay, the best case scenario, like let's say Corbin Carroll or Julio Rodriguez. Rodriguez did it last year, but I would have tried to make every prospect that I thought was good into that big season, you know, Mm-hmm. And Bobby Witt, you're even like it. So it's like I missed out on those guys. I passed on Julio Rodriguez at pick 250 in my draft last year. It was right before we knew that he was going and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But just staying on that path was the key for me. And just some players that I, uh, so one thing I wanted to add is like because my draft wasn't perfect and, and I, I did end up, end up keeping about half my team for the full season, but the fab was a huge part of my success too. Like you have to grind on that every week. Mm-hmm. You can't miss weeks. You have to have long queues and you have to research the stuff. You have to know why you're, why you're bidding on the players. You want to be bidding on players that have rare skill sets that, you know, would have been drafted if they had a playing time in a better situation. So if like speed, if someone moves up to the top of the lineup or a pitcher, you know, just different things that we know we all value that wouldn't be there if, if the situation was set in stone beforehand. So different things like that. And I ended up using my rookie knowledge as my fab success last year. I picked up George Kirby. I picked up Spencer Strider, picked up Nick Lodolo, mm-hmm. Long Grissom. Mm-hmm. And all these players turned into key core pieces for me, added to all my other safe players. And by the end, I had the overall somehow. Well, I want to go back for a second first because Ray Dominguez puts in the chat, put all the projection systems, Zips, Zips, uh, DC, Steamer, ATC, the bat. You remember which two of those you used the most? Yeah, I started with all of them just because I didn't know which one to trust. I was just kind of looking at the whole group of them together. Mm-hmm. And then as it started unfolding, as I started doing drafts, I found myself not agreeing, but just I just felt it was more accurate. The bat X for hitters. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going. That was my go-to. If if there was any doubt, I was going with that. And then for pitchers, I was going with steamer. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that this necessarily is what it's going to be this year, because there are some steamer project- projections for pitchers I look at right now that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the same, same with bat X. So it's like, there, I might still have to tweak that and like blend them into an aggregate type of thing. But, um, but those were the two that that guided me through draft season last year. That's interesting. And uh, Uncle Ted talks, a uh, friend of the show, says, "Don't fall in love with your draft picks, specifically pitching, Good drafts, draft hitters, and stream pitchers." Which is uh, again also very solid advice. Uh, so, Mike, you talked about some of the pickups you got. You talked about Lodolo. You talked about Kirby. You talked about Von Grissom. All home run pickups. Now, with Fab, you have to know on who to bid on and who to kind of hold on. What gave you the kind of strong vibe to pick up these guys as opposed to being like, you know what, I, I they could be a flash in the pan. I, I want to save my money for somebody else. What what made you want to take the shot on those guys? Well, for, for those guys specifically, it was just the year and a half leading up to me to focus solely on prospects. I'd been deep into that. So I knew I'd been following these players from high aid in some cases, you know, I, you know, like we, we had talked about Von Grissom on the podcast mm-hmm. and different things like, so there was just, I just, I knew them in some ways better than I knew the major leaguers. I knew it also wasn't safe, but it, but I wasn't putting the draft capital into them. That was the key. Mm-hmm. And, and I was and also, and I should point out too, that I wasn't just going after these guys when they were the hot player. You know, I did have to spend big to get George Kirby and that was kind of planned in the preseason that I was going to do that. But, you know, I, I went out, I got Von Grisham for 26 bucks. I think I got, you know, I picked up Lodolo and stashed him a week earlier. Like he, I think he'd been injured or something. Like there was like little moves I was making. I picked up Strider when he was a middle reliever and had a huge strikeout rate. 
doing multi innings. And I was like, I've seen, I've saw this guy in the minor leagues. He's one of the best pitchers in the minor leagues. If mm-hmm. he gets in that Braves rotation, it's going to be a game changer. And it happened, you know, I had a lot of good things go right for me. You know, you don't just pick up a random middle reliever and have it turn into Spencer Strider every year. So, you know, that, that's, that's why I won that combined with all the foundational stuff. But the prospect stuff was just my knowledge from before. And I did also hit on uh, major leaguers. It's, it's harder for me to remember them at the, at the moment, but Josh Naylor was one of my early pickups. Yeah. I got him for about 33 bucks. He stayed on my team. You know, I was just like looking for little opportunities where playing time was changing. A guy moved up in the lineup, you know, just different things. You know, I knew Josh Naylor was a good hitter. It's just like people are questioning, is he a platoon guy? Is he going to get in there? When the season started, he wasn't on the roster resource in the Mm -hmm. lineup, you know? So it's just like, just look for those little things, guys on the on the bench that you think are going to be actually get into that lineup. You know, that's that's so you, type of guys to go after when you can. So you would say you nailed it with nailers. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I, I I actually actually now that I think about it, I bid thirty six on him, and the the runner up was thirty three. I had a couple of oh, those man. killer bid like uh, roto gut type bids too. So that actually ties into my next question for you. Having did you have experience with knowing the the right amount to bid on these guys? Because obviously that's, that's a huge part of it too, is trying to win these guys and not overspend. Or was that more kind of just luck that that happened? Was or was it a mix of both? It was well, I, it was this. I guess it was a mix of both because I did focus on it just like I focused on the draft stuff. I mm-hmm. looked at what the you know because the first year I did it, I bid fifty two dollars on Donovan Solano in week two. I was like, oh. I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, and then, <laughs> and it's like, and basically I just started, why I was like, who was that? What's everyone else doing? And I just studied it over the rest of the year. Me and me and you, Mendy, we were actually, I just looked at this recently. Me and you were in the TGF guy league together. Our first, my first year, I think so three you years, three years ago, right? No, 2021. Okay. Well, I, yeah. With a uh, Paul Sporer and a couple oh, other people. Oh, oh. I do remember that now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do. were, I, we didn't really talk at that point, but yeah, you, you were in that league and, uh, I kind of forget my train of thought there. Where was I going? But oh, I know you're talking about how to about spend, fab. Yeah, how to spend your fab. Not oh, spending uh, fifty two dollars yeah, on Donovan Solano. Yeah, basically, I I did study it. I learned over time, like what types of players, you know. And I talked to some smart people too. Like I've been around for a little while, you know. Like I, one of my good buddies is Rob DiPietro. He's like mm-hmm. a big time player. He gives me little tips when he has time and I just try to soak this stuff up whenever I can. Jeff Zimmerman's another person that I've been fortunate to talk with recently. Dylan White, as I mentioned. So I'm, you know, I basically see myself kind of as the underdog dark horse, just like everyone else did. Like I'm some random prospect guy who just put my heart and soul into it, used what all the smart people did and, and just, and it just, it, it somehow worked out, you know, and the fab is part of that. But all of this was planned. It just I'm just so surprised that it actually worked. But but yeah, I, I did get a lot better in fab. Just like I was saying in the beginning, the type of players I was targeting, you know, I just I didn't want to get caught up in things in in players that were weren't gonna stick on my team or didn't have a role long term. Mm-hmm. You know, there was times where I, I got really excited about a guy and then I ended up having to cut him in two weeks or whatever. Or mm-hmm. even worse, held on to him too long because I was thinking, you know, I put a lot of money into him and I thought it was going to pop or something. You just have to be willing to be flexible and just be smart about it. You know, I mean, you, you can look back at the history. It's all there on the NFBC too. Like what types mm-hmm. of bids go on in these players? You can see which types of players go for over a hundred, you know? Well, tying into to that topic here, uh, Ray writes, Alberto Montesi and Asturio Ruiz, do you think they can accumulate more than 500 at bats? I know we all we all feel about Alberto Mondesi. I think that's an easy no uh, uh, around the board here. He's not even starting the season healthy. Yeah, I, I um, and uh, our guy Mike Carter checking in. Mike of the fantasy baseball beat. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's up, Mike? Um, but the other guy that Ray brings up, Asteri Ruiz in Oakland, a good guy maybe to draft in TGFBI, especially if you're lacking in steals. Everyday playing time in Oakland, over or under 500 at bats. Mike, what do you think? Oh, I'm, 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 it's tough. It's, you love these questions where I ask. You. I do. I do. But this is the sort of stuff you need to make. These are the sort of decisions you need to make, you know? Yep. Mystery Ruiz was so good in the minor leagues last year. His projections don't look amazing. They don't think he's a great hitter, but he was really good. I don't think this is Miles Straw. I don't mm-hmm. think this is all the book from you know, 
those type of players, I looked back at their minor league track records and they didn't ever touch that type of production stolen bases wise or power wise or Mm -hmm. their slash line. So I think Ruiz is a better player than that. Oakland doesn't have anything blocking him. He's really fast Mm -hmm. too. So I think he can play good defense. You know, that that's not going to be an issue. The the over under on the 500, you know, he's in the nine hole too. If he's a better hitter than we think, if if some of that minor league stuff translates, he could easily move up to the top of that lineup too. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a more well-suited for the leadoff role than a Tony Kemp if he's actually yeah. capable of hitting. So, I mean, he's definitely one of my targets in these leagues. I'm I'm also willing to be wrong on it. I know that there's a risk. But if this guy does get 500 plate appearances, he's going to steal 50-plus bases. For, I mean, I'm trying to 40-plus bases. He's going to be one of the league leaders. So it's just, it's just where's his batting average going to fall? We don't tolerate no Tony Kemp slander on this podcast. <laughs> you ain't but, a Tony Kemp stand, bro. But but to be fair, um, I don't think I heard a name mentioned on the call up more last year than his Tori Ruiz. That was literally the poster boy for that. And uh, he's yeah. top five in whatever sports books you look at to lead the league in stolen bases. Yeah, I think it just comes down. He was, if I'm not mistaken, the, the main part of the Sean Murphy trade going back so they're going to also want him to play just to for their investment in him yeah yeah and so. and you don't want him hitting ninth hopefully he gets out of that ninth hole pretty soon as i mentioned in last week's show that spot is the worst spot in the lineup for stolen bases and uh and a recent jeff zimmerman article said to move up in the lineup your your ops has to be at least 700 which i thought was an interesting fact so ruiz 700 OPS. I mean, with Oakland, with what they have, they could move him up just if he's hitting has like a 650 OPS. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be pretty good for them. But, <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, yeah, there's a good shot. 500 ABs. If it was plate appearances, I'd say there's a pretty good shot he's going to get there. 500 at bats. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. But it's tough. When, yeah. Whenever Art brings up the ninth hitter uh, gets the least amount of stolen bases, I want to put up the NBC <laughs> thing that the more you know graphic. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, Surrey Ruiz we're talking about here, um, the stolen base upside is there, 500 at-bats. I'll say he gets over it this year. Uh, just to put a definitive answer, for, for me at least. Mike, are you over or under? I'm going to go over. I'm 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 still in on him. Like I've I've let other people's opinion of him kind of sway me a little bit mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that too much. You know, I I focused on him more than a lot of people did. You know, we looked at him a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing and I, like I just said, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing for him to not he doesn't hit. He stays in the nine hole. He doesn't get enough play appearances, but the speed upside is so significant that I just think it's worth a, a chance. And if it, mm-hmm. if anything good happens, like we've talked about, it's going to be a huge profit. Doc over under over LC over under. I'll go over as well. All right. Clean sweep there. And uncle Ted talk says L- little cheesecake. I'll see your ninth hole knowledge and add that Michael Harris had 20 stolen bases at the ninth spot. There are certain teams that do, kind of utilize the ninth hitter as the second leadoff hitter over in in the past two. And we are kind of changing the game of baseball back to Mm -hmm. an old school, more, more speed type of game. So I don't think Esther Ruiz is going to have problems stealing. It's just more plate appearances. If he's hitting in the one Mm -hmm. hole. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I want to turn the conversation back to TGFBI. Let's go fast forward to this year. Again, drafts kicked off yesterday. We have 435 competitors spread across 29 leagues. So a, another big showing of entrance in TGFBI. Mike, did you have uh, a draft strategy going into this year different from last year? Was it kind of like see how the draft board fell to you? I know Scott White at CBS talked about he liked going outfield, third base, second base in that order, uh, every single, like the first, the first three rounds and then getting pitching in the middle rounds. Myself personally, I liked grabbing at the top of the draft. Give me an outfielder like Ronald Acuna or, you know, J-Rod or something like that. And then I'll take a couple pitchers that fall to me on the way back. Like there were certain strategies we were all developing here. Uh, Is there something you came in with or something that you felt pretty confident going into this year? 
Yes. Uh, and it's, and a lot of it has to do with where you're drafting too. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. if you're drafting at 15, it's different than if you're drafting at one, it's going to be a different combination of players and different players available to you at those slots and different types of moves you have to make. So, you know, I was willing to do everything. I kind of targeted the middle so I wouldn't miss runs, Mm -hmm. but I have that tough league that I mentioned with a bunch of great players. So I didn't get my first choice. I ended up at the 12 spot. So for me, it was just kind of trying to figure out the best Com- best pairing I could get in each time. Mm-hmm. And the draft strategy going into this, everyone's been talking about the hitters, pushing up hitters. And I've been around long enough to know now that pitching is what gets pushed up in the big leagues. When all the money's on the line, yeah. that's what people want. So my strategy was kind of to go the opposite of how people are not wait on pitching, hammer pitching. Mm-hmm. And so, in, but not push it. Like I just wanted that to be like, if I'm on the fence, I'm going pitching. If I'm mm-hmm. on the fence, I'm going pitching. Like that, that's mm-hmm. just kind of my, been my approach in the early rounds, and my draft has unfolded that way. I have a lot of great drafters around me too. Just quickly, do you, do you want me to name off who I've picked so far? Or wait for a little bit. Well, I, I was going to go through all our drafts, so yeah, we yeah, want to. If, if you if you want to start with your, I, I was going to save the best I, for last. I, I just want to make a quick point because I think Michael, like, look at the starting pitcher injuries today to Glass now and Musgrove. Like, if yes. you attacked pitching early, you're in a better spot because kind of those middle round pitchers that people might have waited to drop, like. Now that now you're really not finding that replacement value. So that that was my strategy before. And, and I'll get into who I've drafted after. But it's it's been pretty favorable in that sense. Yeah, I know a lot of people also like to go ace, get your ace early and then you can fill in some guys later on. But you have that anchor at the beginning. And if you wait to just draft mid tier guys, this type of stuff can happen. Now, not necessarily injuries can happen to anybody, but, uh, you know, just all of a sudden something you thought was going to happen performance wise didn't. And then you're kind of left holding the bag in a sense. Uh, so I, I yeah, just and these think- guys are smart that we're up against. And if you're in the mm-hmm. right league, you know, like there's a lot of runs happening. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's like a guy that you don't think is that you think will make it there. Doesn't it's like, Oh, seven mm-hmm. straight pitchers in a row. It's like, oh. yeah. You know, so like, you gotta- just, it's awful. Yeah. It feels so yeah. bad. <laughs> Mike, um, Mike, what was your KDS coming in? I just want to know what was your KDS set up as, uh, you're saying the order I put it in? Yeah. What did you want to get? What was the order? Do you remember? Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I aim for the middle because mm-hmm. I would, because I'm, I'm comfortable taking a guy that doesn't have elite speed in the first round, especially in this, this era that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. thinking I was going to get like a Jordan of Vlad Jr. Yeah. or someone like that. Maybe Kyle Tucker falls to me, you know, whatever. But uh, I like, I think I went eight, seven, six, five was my first four. And then, and then maybe went nine, 10, 11, 12. I wanted to be in the middle. Cause I, cause I feel, and I've said this before, but I feel like if you're in the middle, you can, you can see runs and, and predict mm-hmm. runs. You can kind of watch the board unfold. And when you're at the ends against good people, it just doesn't really fall your way the way you want to. So you end up in a situation where you have to like either settle on what they left you or grab what they're going to want to take next. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you have an understanding of the player pool, you can kind of mess with them from the ends but it takes a lot of skill and knowledge of the player pool and which positions to go after and who Mm -hmm. people want and all that sort of stuff it could get you in a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. too when you're in the middle you just kind of take the solid guy and move on to the next one and the next solid guy comes so i'll speak firsthand to that i had the first pick and in the fourth round i woke up this morning i had three guys in my queue uh, and i saw it got to me at like uh like 11 something last night. I saw him make the pick in the morning and I woke up at like six this morning, checked my phone and I see the three guys in my queue, Luis Castillo, Corey Seager, Rysel Iglesias go one, two, three right in front of me. And they weren't like the top guys on the board either. And I sat there and I was like, you have to be effing kidding me. I said, how do all three? I was like, you had to expect at least one was going to get to me. And uh, they didn't. And that's just to Mike's point when you're in a league and my league is freaking stacked. Uh, when you're in leagues with people that know what they're doing, uh, ADP isn't always going to fall the way you think. Mm-hmm. And people are going to get their guys. And that's what I started doing. Th- that was the point in the draft where I just said, F this. And I started reaching a little bit more. Not not crazy, but um, I definitely that kind of like lit a fire under me to where I was just kind of like, I'm not even chancing things anymore. Um, and it's worked out a little bit better since then. But that's just the kind of thing you're talking about, Mike. And um it just yeah, shows you either you either drive the ship yourself or you or they're driving the ship and you're reacting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, it's interesting but i think that can carry us over now into our drafts we're all in tgfbi different leagues 
And we're all different points of the draft. I'm in round eight right now. Um, Doc, where are you at? It's round seven, and it's my pick. Oh, we're going to get to you then first in a second. <laughs> Doc, I'm sorry, LC, where are you at? You Where are you at? I think I've, yes, I've made one, two, three, four, five. I've made eight picks. So you're in round uh, eight. And what about you, uh, Mike, where are you at? We're, I've, I've done six picks. We're still in round six. Okay. So anywhere sixth, seventh, eighth round, we're all in that similar range here. Doc, we're going to go to you first because you're actually making a pick right now on air. Tell us your team and then tell us where you're thinking right now. So I started, I had the ninth pick and I went Mookie Betts, um, outfield, somebody that, you know, does it all. Um, we'll give you hopefully 10 plus st- steals. Then went Sandy Alcantara, second round. Dylan C or uh, Francisco Lindor in the third round, he slipped. Dylan Cease really dropped in the fourth. Um, relievers were going quick, so I had to take Camilo Duvall in the fifth. Took Bregman in the sixth. So three three uh, starters, three relievers. Hitting has gone very very quickly in my league, and there is a mm-hmm. lot of teams that have one pitcher, uh, and some teams that don't have any starters at all. So the top guys are Musgrove and Glass now, who I'm not touching. There's a lot of catchers left. I don't think I want to take Kirk, who hasn't um, who hasn't gone to report it to camp yet. <laughs> Vinny, I don't like you trolling me in the comments right before the show. I, I said one of my picks. I had to side between Cedric Mullins and Corbin Carroll. I was siding between the two, and I ended up taking Cedric Mullins. And he told me I made the wrong pick. <laughs> Cedric I, Mullins is the safe pick. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. I was like, Corbin mm-hmm. Carroll's upside is tremendous, but if Corbin Carroll is doesn't end up producing to what we think he's going to do this year, or even half of that, and Cedric Mullins and to give gives up giving us thirty steals and fifteen home runs, I'm going to kick myself. I'm really leaning George Kirby. He would be my third starter. I think there's a big drop off after. What are your guys' thoughts on him this year? I just drafted George Kirby with my last pick, and I reached down to get him. Uh, George, but Kirby. you got him in the eighth round. No, I'm in the seventh. We're I'm the first, and we're like on the way back in the eighth. I haven't made my eighth pick yet. I took him as so, the first. So, what pick number is that? I'm at 99. Um, goodness gracious! If I was better at math, um, 106. No, I took him with the. Uh, I, I I'm feeling good that people are telling me hitting. It's someone in the comments that's good at math. Help us out here. And it's got to be 91st pick if it's the first pick of the seventh round. So yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Then I feel yeah. like I got a value at 99. I'm looking at the hitting. Kirk is there, but then it's O'Neill. Yeah. Say, Uncle uh, Ted says Kirby for sure. Then he says, you know, I'm in on Kirby. I'm in on Kirby. Mike likes Kirby. Yep. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. You, have to name, you should know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Ray says there's a player that I love hate. It's Chris Bryant. 30 home runs, oh, 100 no, RBIs. No, no, Can no, I expect no, these stats can. from him this season? Uh, I don't think he stays healthy enough for those numbers. Vinny, I took uh, I took George Kirby. He did, and um, Uncle Tez, I love the Gilbert and Kirby picks. I'm taking Kirby over Gilbert. Is that crazy? It's not crazy, but there are a lot of people who do like Gilbert more than Kirby. It's kind of a toss up. I, Gil, I think Gilbert went to drive line. I mean, it might be a little bit of hype too, but yeah, I mean, I've heard some really smart people say they're in on Gilbert big time this year. I, both uh, Seattle's rotation is just so fascinating. Them two, and then you got Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo, and of course Vinny. So we've talked about Hunter Brown all offseason, late round Hunter Brown. <laughs> if you miss that on, and they, you will definitely be shooting up draft boards here. And then Uncle Ted wants both Kirby and Logan Gilbert. I don't think you can get right. ADP right. perspective. You could in some drafts probably back to back. In okay, like, yeah, if you, if you're in the right spot, yeah. yeah. Um. But, Doc, that's interesting. So you have four pitchers, three batters through seven rounds now? Yeah, and, and I like it. You know, Mookie Betts is going to give you good counting stats. He'll give you 10 to 12 steals. Lindor will give you between 15 and 20 steals, most likely. Bregman gives you good counting stats. And nobody's going to um, sap your average. I do think I need to go and draft a power hitter at some point. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I like it. I think, I, you know – and I'm interested to hear your guys' strategy too. I think it's important sometimes to zig when others are zagging. So yeah. all the people that don't have pitchers now are going to have to reach for them. And then hopefully hitting should fall. Especially when the run starts. 
Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Like when I, when I was saying that hammer and pitching early, you know, there's a certain point where they're all going to be chasing the pitching and I'm going to be stockpiling all the, the mm-hmm. good bats that mm-hmm. are in that range, you know, and kind of, and then hopefully at the end of it, my offense is caught up and my pitching's better. Uncle Ted, you know, we have people that watch our stream and I'm trying to draft these two players. So can you please not put them in the comments? Goodness gracious. <laughs> Vinny loves Oscar Colas too. I'm a big, uh, Gonzo stand too. Um, both of them are solid later outfield targets as well. Uh, Colas is what we were going to do late round targets. He was going to be one of the ones I was going to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Now um, we're not, we're not putting late round targets out here. No, no. we're going to keep most not of those. Not right. today, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, one thing I was going to ask you, doc, the, uh, were you, you were sniped on one snow to, uh, one Soto. I know you wanted him at nine real. Are you at the eight, right? Eight. I had nine. Or ninth. I know you really wanted him bad. I thought uh, I could get him there. I know you wanted him bad. And Britain, our buddy Britain, sniped. Britain just good. sniped MJ Melendez before. That was going to be my pick if it wasn't Kirby. Did you know how you talked about the snipe? Yeah. Four out of the or five out of the six picks before me, and these weren't even at the order. Tim Anderson, Wander Franco, Wilson Contreras, Adamas Melendez. I was like, I'm going to get one of them. You wanted all five of them? Yeah, I because I I wanted to go hitter with this. But when all of them got taken, I just couldn't. Interesting. Uh, Vinny says, how far has Suzuki fallen in my draft? He got taken at the end of the seventh round. That's still yeah. too early. So Suzuki, Suzuki didn't fall. Yeah, he didn't fall in oh. my draft. Where did he get I heard taken someone, I, heard, I haven't, he hasn't, we haven't got far enough in mind, but I heard someone say he fell in to pick 200 in a. I saw it was, um, it was uh, Rob D. Yeah, Rob D. Yeah. Pietro. Yeah. yeah. He has, a, he has a moderate oblique strain if he's not open ready for opening day. Yeah. Drew Rasmussen is a stud. Uh, Uncle honest, Ted's just dropping all sorts of gems here. Yeah, I mean, Uncle Ted talk, man. He should. Are, are you in uh, TGFBI, Uncle Ted? If not, we're going to get you in there next year. And he also <laughs> says, saddle, Elvis, Andrews, yeah. Elvis Andrews is a steal. Or hit the Yeah, get the rim shot. There you go. Elsie, let's go to you next. Let's talk about your draft. And you said that you're in the eighth round, so you've made eight yeah. picks. Talk us through yeah. your picks, your draft strategy, if you've been sniped, all that good stuff. Well, this draft, I, I, my KDS, I said I wanted to be towards the top of the draft. So I did a straight butter one through six because I wanted to get one of those guys I've been drafting in the back end. And so, so I did one through six, and then after that, I did basically 15 back down to seven because I, I kind of like – I'm not going to be in the top six. I want to be towards the back. Right. I ended up getting 13th pick. Um, And as it came to me in the first round, um, Garrett Cole was sitting there and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to grab Garrett Cole and uh, start it with a pitcher. I've grabbed Cole in a few leagues already. I think he's Mm -hmm. really solid. And the second round I came around and sorry to cut you off. Elsie was Corbin Burns there and you had to make that decision or was Burns gone? Burns was gone, so okay. I didn't have to make that decision. If I had to make that decision, I probably would have gone with Burns just because I think he's going to produce better ratios. But mm-hmm. I'm fine with Cole. I think his volume is going to be great. Um, and now, interestingly, I, I took Tatis in the second round. This is the second draft I've I've taken Tatis really early, and it's and uh, I think I'm doing a better build this time than I did with the first one because I did that in triple players ball as well. And I think like for me. Like I was really hoping that that we would get to see Tatis before I had to make this draft pick, but I think he played his first game. He plays his first game tomorrow in mm-hmm. in the in the Cactus League. Um, so, but you know, as as it stands, you're sitting there in the second round. He's not going to come back to you in the third round. If you get him in the second round, he's a top five player. If he's only out those three weeks mm-hmm. in the suspension, so I. So I, I was like, all right, so this build, I'm going to do a Tatis build with this. Um, I did Varsho in the third. I, I, wa- I want to get him as a catcher. I want to get those steals. Hader fell to the fourth for me, so I thought mm-hmm. it was a great. In the fifth, I this is this is the augmentation I did from my previous Tatis build. I, I drafted Swanson. I backed up shortstop right away. You uh, so that my Yeah, well, you know, with Swanson, when when they were sitting on the board there, outfielders kept getting pushed up and pushed up. That's what's been going on Mm -hmm. in my league. Outfielders are going like crazy. So I was like, all right. So I knew I wanted to take a a shortstop earlier this draft than I did in the the draft I did the triple players ball. 
um, because I want to have a solid first three weeks, and then I'll just slide them over to middle infield once Tatis is back, or I can play Tatis in the outfield because he has that double eligibility if I draft mm-hmm. differently. Swanson was there. I thought that's a that's a piece there, and it's also thinning the shortstop pool a little bit strategy in the next pick. And then I finally got to with Ward and Yelich in the next few rounds. Solid. I think you've hit a lot of different places, but wait, if I'm mistaken, so you have Cole. Did you, did you say you grabbed the second starter? Mm-hmm. What was the second? I grabbed Darvish. Um, Darvish. So I only have okay. two starters. You Darvish. Yeah. Pretty balanced team. You got two starters. You filled up outfield, which becomes very thin very quickly. You got an elite reliever. Uh, I think a good start to your draft there. Uh, Uncle Ted says everyone's hating Adolis. I don't. Did any of us get Adolis Garcia? I didn't get him. Thirty. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to avoid that batting average risk early and pretty much throughout drafts if I can. But yeah, thirty thirty. I think is the the best case scenario. But uh, two forty average is I think also best case scenario in his profile. Luis Arez or Brandon Lau, CJ Crone or Roddy Telez, Hunter Renfro or Masataka Yoshida. Which would you choose? Uh, I, it's a cop-out answer to say just like what you need in terms of if you're in a category league, if I want batting average, I'd go rise. If I need more power, I'd go low or allow, um, I guess in a vacuum, if you have to pick, um, I guess I'd go a rise. What about you guys? Hmm. That one's tough. Arise, Telez. Well, let's just do the first one first. Arise or low? Wow. Allows back injury is, still has me concerned. I'm not sure has I and I haven't looked in on their spring yet. Mm-hmm. If he's swinging the bat well in the spring, I would go Lau over a rise because of his power. But until I've I've looked in on him and I haven't looked at the Rays yet this spring, I'm going a rise just because I'm worried about his back injury. I think I agree with that. Uh, you know, Arias is one of the elite batting average guys too. And you know, we haven't talked too much about that, but. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's important. You know, like even if he doesn't have the huge counting stats, he should be up near the top of the lineup, even though it's a bad lineup. If you can get a bunch of plate appearances with a 300 batting average, you know, that that's a lot safer than an injury risk guy who's going to be a low batting average, who's really mm-hmm. a platoon risk and has had one big season. Yeah, I agree with you. Doc, I think you're the last one. A rise or a low? A rise. Wow. How many times I keep doing that? Um, CJ Crone or Rowdy Telez? I had Rowdy Telez ranked two spots I've had of CJ Crone. I think this is Telez's year to really put it all together. He just cranked a home run today. Might be controversial. I I do have Telez ahead of Crone, even with the Colorado boost. Elsie, I already don't even have to ask you. I know you scream Rowdy Telez with your hairy chest puffed out. And that's your <laughs> that's your guy. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll, I'll save my, you the time. I'll save you the time. I don't time puff my energy. hairy chest for that many players. <laughs> LC or, or uh, Doc, are you Telez or Crone? I'm Rowdy. I uh, I think Crone is going to see some regression this year. And Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rowdy's one of my favorite, you know, kind of, I think he's going to continue to kind of rise. That, that that first base group in the 150 range or wherever it is, I, I, I already see it, it, them going higher in higher stakes drafts. So like, yes. Rowdy Telez is one of my favorites in that group, and I'd be willing to even jump around or two to, to secure him. He's a great first base target. If you slept on the position, you can get later on after you know the the bigger name guys. Uh, so he's a great target there. Last one, Hunter Renfro or Masataka Yoshida. This one again, it, Renfro. Context would be awesome if in terms of what you're lacking if it's in a roto league. But I think at the end of the day, I'll, I'll take Renfro and the guaranteed power. I think he's going to give you. I'll jump in here. To me, this is similar to the first one. Uh, I'll take Yoshida. Mm-hmm. His contact rates and projections, I don't know if it's real, but anyone who's projected by every projection site to hit over 280, some close to 300, you know, that's the, that's the kind of guy I want on my team, especially before we actually know what happens. Like it, it mm-hmm. could be, he could have more power than we think or more speed than we think, you know, like, so, so it's just like, I, I really value guys who have a high average. So, you know, a, a guy like Renfro's basically going to drag your average down and get you 30 home runs. And, and I just think that's available in other places. Doc, real quick. I'm going Yoshida. 
and Elsie your Renfro? I'm yeah. For me, the power for Renfro is 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 set um, proven. So I like him a lot. Uh, um, Yoshida, I am I am skeptical of Japanese players coming over. All right, and uh, Vinny says yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, the more I watch Tovar, the more he's locked in. He did did pick for the call up today. If yes. he could place a bet that he thinks Tovar is going to lead all rookies in home runs this year. That's how confident he is. And I will say this. I've talked, obviously talked with Vinny a lot. I mean, he's really big into watching video and stuff and he has a good eye for that sort of thing. So you should listen. I mean, if he likes what he's seeing with Tovar, there's something there. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I'll go through really quick with mine and then let Mike take the rest of the time here. Uh, I picked from the first spot. I did the same thing as ULC. I went one through six and then I did 15 back to seven, same type of deal. There's a drop off to me at that point. I got the first pick. And so I went Ronald Acuna to me in this format. There's no question. He's the best. If you take the, the shallowness of elite outfielders, he has that. He's one of those people that pretty much almost a guaranteed 30 stolen base type of season. If he stays healthy, give you 30 home runs. If he stays healthy, he's the ultimate five category contributor at a thin position. So to me, he's a, a pretty much locked in number one pick. Then it comes back to me. I was going to go Spencer Strider, who I've taken a lot early on in drafts. He's my SP four. And he went uh, two picks before me in the second round. He went at, at the, uh, I was kind of surprised he didn't make it to me. And sure enough, also Aaron Nola got picked ahead of me and I wasn't going to wow. take Aaron Nola, but I thought that was interesting too. So I took Sandy Alcantara. I was like, I'll take the value. Wow. Sandy here. Nola went over Sandy. Nola went over Sandy. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, no pitcher was taken in the first round. Cole went the first pick in the second and then Burns. And then there's just a bunch of hitters. And then, yeah, Strider, Nola. I took Alcantara. And then it went back to me and I was deciding between taking Nolan Arenado or to take, uh, I forgot the other player I was looking at. But I just said to myself, I was like, the third base gets also really thin really quickly. And if I don't take Nolan Arenado here, it could get ugly really fast. So I took Nolan Arenado for the position scarcity and the fact that he's still an absolute stud. Um, then a bunch of pitchers go off the board, uh, this, that, and the other. Finally comes back to me around four. And that's what I told you all that I was loving Corey Seager. I was hoping he's, I try to get him everywhere. Didn't make it to me, unfortunately. And I decided to take Zach Gallen. And I took Zach Gallen yeah. over Kevin Gosman. I took him over Alec Manoa. Those were the other two yeah. starting pitchers I was looking at. I don't know if that's the right call. I, I look at Alec Manoa and everything in his profile says he's due for some regression this year. The K rate isn't what you think it is. Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant on Manoa. And Gosman, obviously, we know his BABIP luck. But I'm just I'm not a Kevin Gosman drafter. I don't draft Kevin Gosman. There are certain players I just they don't they don't fit your vibe. They're just I don't necessarily love his skills, even though I know he's very much proven. And I like Zach Gallen. Um, and I think he he was to me the best pitcher in that scenario. So I took Zach Gallen there. And then I told you all about the Cedric Mullins uh, debate with him and uh, Corbin Carroll. Took Mullins, and then finally comes back to me today later on. And I get the two I had. I was literally sitting there with two picks before me, refreshing the page, just waiting just to see if they fell to me. Both did. I got Vinny P. And then I had the decision between George Kirby and Tristan McKenzie, my two favorite pitchers in that range. I decided to go with George Kirby over Tristan McKenzie. What? Yeah, I did. Wow. I thought you cannot put McKenzie, Tristan in Mc, your MySpace top eight now. McKenzie, you can't. George really Kirby's in there too. They're both in there. They're both, They're in, both there. in there? Yeah. Oh. Okay, I have George right. Kirby, Tristan McKenzie, Nick Lodolo, and Sean Manaya. And then my hitters were Oscar Gonzalez, Corey Seager. Um, oh, you already have your top eight? I already have them out? all. Yeah, I already wrote them out. Okay. I, I tweeted them out a while ago, too. I think I tweeted I them out. Saw that. That, was a, that was a solid list. I remember yeah. seeing that. I think it was like a month ago I tweeted it out. But th those th he's on the list, too. And um, I just I looked at both of them, and I was just like, ultimately... I think Cord I, I've really come along with George Kirby, I think makes an even bigger leap than Tristan McKenzie. And, and to me, they're like apples and oranges. There's just like, or that's not the expression. It's apples to apples. They're just, I think ah. they're both, 
it was really hard for me. Uh, and I ended up, I just was like, I, I just, something in my gut said to take Kirby. So I did there. Um, and then we'll see when it comes. I have, I have a guy in mind. I want to fall to me. Um, and I'm hoping he does in the next round here, but that's, that's how my draft's gone for the most part. I've been happy with it. Uh, a couple snipes here and there. Um, people don't like Garcia because of his batting average yet. They love Corey Seager. Uncle Ted is an Adolis Garcia guy. I'm learning very quickly here. Well, he just puts you in your place, David. Vinny's gallon is a stud. Trey Jamison, Ryan Nelson are this year's gallon. Man, Uncle Ted has got a lot of guys here he's ready to go with. And Rice, Ellie De La Cruz and Jordan Walker, when you think we can see both. Mike, obviously, you're the biggest prospect guy on the show and one of the best ones out there. Jordan Walker, I think, at this point, anybody will be shocked if he doesn't make the team out of spring training the way he's looking early on. I, I think the bigger question is Ellie De La Cruz, who... Is it? I didn't think we would see him this year. Or any case, it would be like towards the tail end of the year. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy with you know contact concerns, mm -hmm. so it's like it's not necessarily going to translate immediately. I but you know the Reds are rebuilding. I don't think they're going to push him. I think when he shows that he's ready, they're going to bring him up because the Reds don't have a bunch of people. But I, I would definitely expect it to be the end of this year. I mean, he hasn't played in AAA. Yet it could even be next year too. Like he might not be in the plans. Same with Jordan Walker. I mean, I, I'm not saying Jordan Walker will wait till, but I said this on the on the call up a while ago. I think the Cardinals have kind of made the decision internally what they're going to do with Jordan Walker potentially months ago, and I, I'm not sure that they're going to let us know that until it, they have to. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm. I said it was there was probably a thirty percent chance. I, I, there's still some people that are more tight locked into the Cardinals that I that do think he's going to start in the minors still. So I, I just think that's a possibility. I do think he would be up as soon as he possibly could. And I also think it's possible that, that those people are wrong and he does start with the team. But uh, just uh, so I guess if I'm going to be conservative, I'd say Ellie De La Cruz is a, is a September call up and Jordan Walker comes up in uh, early May. You bite your tongue, Ted. There is no way. I think what? Jordan Walker gets traded there. No, I don't think. I think they'll no. trade anybody but Jordan Walker. No, <clears throat> no way. Yeah, they wouldn't. That was the the piece the Nats were trying to get for Juan Soto, and they wouldn't give him up. Yeah, I think they think see Walker as their franchise player down the road, and they're not trading him for anyone that's not going to put him over the top. Huge and player. Vinny says he's the same path that uh, Chris Bryant was. Walker to the Marlins for uh, Edwin Cabrera, <laughs> <laughs> Cabrera, and uh, Yuri Perez. There you go. All right, uh, Mike, close out the show. We're going to uh, finish out with you talking about your draft, how it's went, sniped it all, processed everything that you have going with you in your TGFBI draft. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I, you know, was kind of flexible. It, it's been it's been tough. You know, I didn't get my, my uh, KDS spot I wanted. I got put in right behind one of the most formidable players in this whole competition. So... I've definitely been getting sniped. I've had to adjust. I'm also kind of close to the end. So like there's certain players I don't have access to, but so the first round pick at number 12, I went with Jordan Alvarez. I, I, I did the research on his hand stuff and I couldn't find anything that scared me enough to think that he wasn't going to play. In fact, the quotes that I was reading from him said he feels better now than he did during the season and all and all that sort of stuff. This is all precautionary. And so like, I just, I just basically made a split second decision because I did not expect him to be available. You know, the morning of the draft started, he's been going like number seven or eight in every draft mm -hmm. I've seen. He wasn't really an option in my eyes. I didn't think he'd be there. And I just knew that I had to make that decision without really knowing. So I went with Jordan. I love him. I've heard Mendy talk about him. I think he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, in the second round at uh, pick 19, I ended up getting Garrett Cole, mm -hmm. which I love. That's uh, a great start, man. Yeah. And, and Corbin Burns did get sniped, sniped right the pick right before I was ready to take him. So I had to adjust there. But I, I was really happy with that start because, I, like I said, I wanted pitching. Third round, and I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but this is one of the guys that the auction calculator and just projections and even my research loves. I ended up getting Carlos Rodon. At 42. Yeah, I, nope. 
I, so Mike, it's interesting you say that. I, I know I've mentioned this before and I saw it getting floated around. Like I know Nick who's coming on the show tomorrow. I think he has Rodon as SP three yeah. and Derek Cardi has Rodon as SP two this year. So I know he, that he's kind of Rob Silver was on James Anderson's podcast and said Rodon's basically Burns and Cole, same tier. And I'm not necessarily saying go. that, but he, but he has that track record. Now this isn't the injury prone guy. This is a, He's put it together for a couple of years with some elite stats. Yeah. I used to be a guy who would fade Rodon, but but to mm-hmm. me, this is a guy that's going to be going in the maybe even second round in main events. He yeah. like in my draft, I told you I took Sandy. And the only reason I took Sandy there, uh, I would have taken Rodon at that two, three turn. And he went right after the two, three turn when I took uh Sandy and Nolan. He was the next pick. So I, I think uh, he's already been pushed up a ton. And, um, you, I mean, you have Cole and you have Rodon, you have the top two Yankee arms on a team. That's going to be one of the tops and wins. So you, you just, those two guys alone could win you close to 40 games this year. Absolutely. And, you know, I like to keep track of the stats and the different things, you know, the different teams as it's going and, and that pairing, the other teams in the league haven't been able to catch me in pitching with anything they've done since then. And it's like, so like, as long as I don't pick players with bad ratios or that really, cause I, that's another thing I've noticed when I'm, when I'm entering the stats and the players into the thing, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you take, if you take a bad pitcher or a pitcher that doesn't fit with that spot, it, it hurts your team. It's like, it's like a really risky, I don't know how to put this. Like it, it can really jump you up the standings or really take you down depending on how the pitcher works out. So like, it's, it's a, it's a swing thing. That's why people like to get so many of them and so many good ones, you know, cause there is risk involved with them. But, you know, another reason I was thinking wrote on here is too, is the risk of pitching. First of all, not many people will have two pitchers as good, but if mm-hmm. one of them gets hurt, I still have one of the best pitchers in my mind. So that was yeah. another part of it. Now going into the fourth round again, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't have any speed yet. So I was, I'm, I'm kind of a big jazz Chisholm guy. I'm a little hesitant on his batting average, but that power speed is so intriguing. He does have risk involved with him, but he did get, I did get sniped on him as well. So I had to readjust there and just doing these mock drafts. I knew that I needed to get in on the closers or I was going to miss the run. I ended up picking Jordan Romano in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I think he's Solid. one of the fourth or fifth best uh, closers this year. I'd say, you know, behind the top behind hater, probably I'd actually probably rank him fourth. So I was happy with that. Fifth round, I came back around. Again, I'm still trying to get, find some speed. I got sniped on Tommy Edmond, which I don't love, but projections love him. Dylan took him. So I shifted gears there to Alex Bregman in the fifth. There had been a, a the, the Nolan Arenado went in the second round in my league. There hadn't been a single third baseman that went until the late fifth. So I took Bregman there. Gunnar Henderson actually went three picks later. Too. So wow. I, I really love how it fit, how it worked for my for that player. You know, like it, mm-hmm. if I could target a third baseman, it'd be the guy right above Gunnar Henderson as late as possible. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. So that's you know that's what I did, and then I came back around. I was again. I was. I, I do love batting average. I also love upside. I had my eye on Wander Franco. I was going to be willing to take him in the sixth round. Again, I got sniped. The pick right before me. So I, I was looking at my team. I don't have any speed at this point. Everything else is kind of in place, but I still needed a bat. So I went to a guy that was a big part of my team last year in Andres Jimenez. I think he's a guy that's not, he's going to be like a 265 type of average. I mm-hmm. think he's locked into the upper five spots of that lineup, which is improving. And he's a good contact player too. Like he, mm-hmm. he doesn't strike out a ton. It's not a huge upside guy, but this is a guy that I think you can conservatively estimate, you know, 18 home runs, 23 Mm. stolen bases with a good average, you know, in 75 to 80 runs, you know, in in RBIs type of stuff. So it's not my ideal sixth round pick because there are some second basemen that I like later, but because of the power that I started with and the lack of speed in my first rounds and because I hammered pitching, you're going to be weak somewhere. And because of the rule changes, I just felt comfortable that I could fade fade steals a little bit in this draft if I had to. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm still lower end in the league in steals, but I have other targets in the coming rounds that I'm going to keep trying to pile on. 
Mr. Ruiz is going to be waiting for you later on. (laughs) I mean, well, and I know Dylan and other people in my league are in on him too, so I could easily get sniped on him as well. So that's true. Um, Really quick, I just wanted to raise a question. Dylan Cease or Julio Urias? Dylan Cease for me. Interesting. I haven't thought about that one enough. I was was in on Dylan Cease last year, and I've kind of been out on him at his price this year. And I've been kind of more in on, I'll, I'll say Urias. I like the Dodgers better. I like the team situation. I think he's going to be one of the league leaders and wins again. Mm-hmm. You just have to find strikeouts somewhere else. And and Cease is a pitcher who could hurt your whip. It's it's possible. Like he, There was some luck involved in what was going on. He started fading yeah. a little bit down the stretch last year. And that was his best year too. I really do like him. He's one of the filthiest pitchers, but there's more risk with him. Urias is just like, you just know what you're getting with him. Doc, you're on give me cease. LC, I'm going Urias. I like uh, I like Down the, the uh, yeah I like Mike's reasoning as well. Vinny's the tiebreaker. He says cease. Vinny, you're go. not. Doesn't <laughs> count. Yeah, Vinny counts. Um, <laughs> Mike, I, I love what you did there, and the fact that like you get the, the good point of with this year with the expected increase in steals of you not worrying about that quite as much, I think is definitely going to work out in your favor. That's something I think just staying on top of, of knowing how the game is changing again. Also, you know, another subject would have been like talking how the ball has been deadened and wanting to make sure you secure more power earlier on because power has become a premium as well. Just, it's kind of just knowing how the game has been shifting and and you're doing a good job of staying on top of that. Uh, But for the most part, it sounds like all of us, is it fair to say the worst grade you would give yourself right now is a B plus? The worst grade. Yeah, I'm fairly happy with my draft. Mikey just gave a. You're grading yourself. No, I mean I'm I'm really t- I'm really hard on myself. I've kind of aim for perfection, and even though I can't ever get there, it, so so I would give myself a a B so far. LC, you would give yourself a B plus at least. Uh, a B pl- I think a B plus. It depends on Tatis. I mean, Tatis is is a difference maker in my grade overall, but I think it's a B, B plus, yeah. All right. Well, I think we did a good job. We went through all of our teams, our drafts. Obviously, Mike, just his process last year, carrying stuff into this year. Hopefully, everybody that listened to the podcast as you're doing your TGFBI drafts or you're just prepping for your own draft can take some of this knowledge and apply it to whatever draft you are doing because it's a lot of great nuggets in here to help you win and take down your league. So uh, I can't thank Mike enough for joining the pod tonight. Mike, please plug all the great work you're doing out there right now. I know you're super busy. Uh, we're doing a lot of different stuff. So just please go ahead and plug away. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, I'm basically kind of in full blown draft mode right now. So I'm not like in the content area as much, but except for the call up. So I do want to plug the call up because it's something I'm proud of and I, and I enjoy doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. So Anyone out there who loves prospects, myself down on the farm, Vinny in the chat, David, we got lots of great guests on there. So I'd appreciate anyone who who watches that or listens to that. Uh, I am still connected with fan tracks. I, I, I'm still kind of ironing things out there, but that's if I'm going to write, that's where I would be writing. And you can follow me on Twitter at MPRichards1981. I'm not as active as I used to be, but I'm hoping to become more active once I'm not as in a tornado with all these drafts and trying to, you know, do the best I can against all these great players. Yeah. Mike, again, uh, winning TGFBI alone can just show you how much effort and, and time and uh, termination he is in when you're doing his drafting. So uh, I, I know you're, you're getting into that now and you're still doing the call up for, uh, for triple play. And we're very appreciative of all the great work you're doing with us. And obviously just people in general, all the great work that you're doing in the fancy baseball community. Make sure you're following Mike if you're not already. Uh, for those that, of course, watch this podcast, the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Podcast, we appreciate you guys. Please make sure you guys like the video on YouTube, subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. You'll get notifica- notifications for when the call-up comes out every week, for when this show comes out, when the Fantasy Baseball Beat comes out. We have a waiver wire show coming this year called the Fab Five. Where we're going to break down some free agent pickups every single Sunday. That's going to be on the YouTube channel every Sunday. Yeah, I'm breaking news to LC too. It's all good. Um, and of course, just a ton of great content all baseball season long. Of course, podcast, 
every single week. You can find us there as well. On that note, I'm going to lastly just plug the triple players ball. We've got four spots left in our last league, league four. So if you're listening and want to grab a spot, make sure you DM myself or Eric at trip play fantasy to get one of those last four spots, 60 competing for the golden cleats trophy. And we'll close out the show by giving our sponsor underdog a little bit of clout. So for Michael, for doc, for cheesecake, I'm D Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. We'll catch you guys in the next one.